Hey, and welcome to the Stay Wild Trauma Child podcast. I'm Steph. And I'm Jamie, your trauma tour guides. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. We're their hosts. As I was saying, we are two best friends that are openly sharing their healing journeys while navigating sudden loss, parenthood, relationships, mental health, and so much more. So this is your trigger warning that Jame and I will be discussing highly sensitive topics, including abuse, domestic violence, and murder in most, if not all of our episodes. We aren't for the faint of heart. We cuss like sailors and we have a pretty dark sense of humor. So if either of those things bother you, this is where your tour ends. Oh, hey, Jame. Yeah. Don't forget to tell them that we aren't medical professionals. Oh, yeah. We're definitely not medical professionals, but we probably need them. <laughs> <laughs> so grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and get ready for a whole lot of laughs and maybe even a little bit of healing. You know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Full send. Full send. I will explain. I, I, Steph and I were talking before this and I was like, you know, I don't want to put this on the podcast because I'd have to give a lot of context to humanize my thoughts, feelings, and words for our listeners. And I'm like, yeah, I'll fuck it. I'll give the context. <clears throat> if this is a two-part episode, as per usual, that's fine. I'm here for it. <laughs> so Steph was talking about, before we hit record, how she just like isn't feeling great. She's not feeling herself, if you would like to describe that. So I was explaining to Jamie that, like, I, I just don't feel good. Like, that's the only way I can describe it. Like, not in, like, a sick, I have the flu or a cold type of way, but it just kind of seems like no matter how much sleep I get, well, granted, I haven't been exercising. So I know that that's a big factor for me that I haven't been exercising, but I just... I don't know, just too often. I just don't feel good. And poor Robert, my boyfriend is constantly like, like, babe, you've been saying that a lot lately. And I remember saying those things to Matt that like, you always say you don't feel good, or it's always this or it's always that. And like, I don't even feel like it's so much an anxiety thing, because I don't, I truly don't feel anxious anymore. Ever since I went, I think I told you about that massage that I went to go have done. So in December, um, I went and had a massage done that was called an inner healing massage and so mm. ever since I had that done like I don't have that conscious con con constant that's the word constant radiating feeling of energy in my chest anymore where I constantly felt like I would have to take deep breaths to try and clear it out and then I would kind of feel better but not really so I went and had this massage done and because that's really the only thing I've changed again I am not working out I haven't been meditating like I haven't been doing all the things that I should or want to be doing in forms of my self-care. So I know that's the only thing that had changed. But still, like lately, I just, my body does not feel good. So I was explaining to Jamie that I think I could possibly have adrenal fatigue because I saw a video the other day that said that radiating feeling in your chest can also be... For a lot of people, it is anxiety, but it can also be signs of adrenal fatigue, which makes a lot of sense, which led Jamie into a story about her daughter. So now the floor is yours, my dear. <laughs> so the more I've been learning about the brain and body connection, what you said kind of like resonated with me because that's really how I was feeling from about the months of, I want to say like late August, early September to about mid early mid-December and um Steph has left the room <laughs> I scared her off y'all I didn't even see she might have said to hang on but 
Well, no, she needs to hear this. Guys, come on. I gotta hold this thought. This is gonna be the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. This is gonna be the most difficult. Oh, she's back. Thank God. I think I've already forgotten what I was talking about. Nope. I'm still holding on to the thought. It's, it's slipping. It's vaguely there. It's okay. Oh, I had a whole conversation with her. <laughs> I'm sure you I was talked like, shit I, about me the I, whole time. <laughs> I didn't talk shit. I was like, she, I didn't, I was like distracted and I wasn't looking. So I don't know if she told me to hold on or not. <laughs> but like, okay, I'll keep going. And I'm like, no, wait, she needs to hear this. Oh. We're having like a conversation. <laughs> like, and I'm going to need her feedback on what I'm about to say. So like, this is going to be the hardest thing I've ever done. I have to hold on to a thought. I'm here to test you, my love. <laughs> so that's the way I was feeling. And I started to like, I've been really focused on studying trauma because of the series that we are currently in and i'm like that's great and all but like you can learn two things at once jamie like you can start really looking in on the healing part of this like you, that doesn't have to wait until you guys are done with this series mm -hmm. like you don't have to hyper focus on all things trauma and learning like every single term and so i started really like honing in on the healing part of this journey and i was like okay so i can both in tandem study trauma and healing yep brain body effect blah 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 a brain body connection and so i started doing that and i was like you know this is actually great because by the time we get to our next series i will have pretty much a whole case study on this with everything i have tried and taken notes on so that being said it's only been a month since i had that same feeling and i don't know what happened but i was like I, well i it's a series of little things that i've tried and what's happened but like i just decided to seriously commit to everything I had said and wanted to do over the last two years. Like I kind of like half-assed committed this whole time. I never really gave it my all as if healing was a job. Mm -hmm. And ever since I've started doing that every day and really pushing myself, I have noticed like this huge monumental change. Like that energy has completely gone away. I'm seeing things more clearly. I'm like able to be consistent in all areas of my life not effortlessly like we're not there yet like i still have to really remind myself like okay stop scrolling on tiktok pick up the book i know you don't want to but you're gonna be so happy that you did mm -hmm. in about an hour when you've reached your goal and you've learned something new mm -hmm. like you've really enriched yourself you've gotten off the phone like because i used to make these excuses like i'm learning something like i'm watching educational videos like i'm watching a therapist i'm watching a historian i'm doing something 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 and for some reason, it just that information I watch on the internet wouldn't stick. Well, because um, yeah, as well, maybe one video you watched was informational, but then like maybe the next five that popped up, unless you were like deep diving into somebody's profile, you know, if you're just going off like your for you page mm -hmm. or whatever, you're like, okay, maybe you see three educational vi videos, but then for the next hour all you've seen is oh you get stuck in the the scroll of oh this was really funny this was really funny this made me laugh and then you're like oh shit. Oops. <laughs> I got reminded when I got to the one that made me cry what I was supposed to be doing yeah. the last hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we started off this episode with me responding to what Steph had been saying. And I was like, you know, you can feel the changes within yourself. And like, that's probably the most difficult part is like really feeling and identifying your emotions and asking what, asking them what they're telling you, like specifically and really like sitting because anxiety, like it is such an uncomfortable feeling. It's mm -hmm. like, I can almost relate it to how you, your thought pattern when you're nauseous, it's like, God, this sucks. Like you're not in pain, but you're like, Boo, like I can't like, please. 
I think we've had this conversation before that like we would both rather just throw up and get it over with than to sit there and be nauseous because you're like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Like, how long is this going to stick around for? Like, just fucking either happen or go the fuck away. Like, leave me alone. (laughs) Let me get through this. (laughs) Like right now, for example, like I can feel this um, like residual like really like tingling cold energy in my shoulder blades and this tightness in my chest. And I feel that like my heart is beating faster than it normally is. And like, because of what I've been practicing for a little over a month at this point, it's like, I can sit here and have a full conversation with you. And at the same time, and like, be really like, really uh, present with what you're saying and like hearing what you're saying. But at the same time, I've been asking my body like, okay, what's the issue? Like what's going on? Why is your body responding like with an anxiety feeling? And the answer is I took my medication without eating breakfast first and I didn't eat breakfast soon enough. And so prior to us coming on the podcast, I'm like, it's fine to literally lay here and meditate for 10 minutes. It's fine to go take your vitamin C because that counteracts Adderall and maybe it'll like lessen the effects you're feeling right now. It is so have you still not eaten? fine to to take I no I ate I went and ate I got I ate I drank a huge glass of water I meditated I did my routine I'm like it is okay to take care of yourself and prepare for this I I even smoked a joint so like I was like it's okay it's a hundred percent fine so I did that and I'm still feeling residual and it's like I'm able to sit here and ask myself why and I'm like well your body just like everything you just did hasn't really hit it yet it's Mm -hmm. okay you're gonna be okay you are feeling anxiety right now and that's totally fine like you you're you are safe and everything is fine and on top of that like I also struggle with the thoughts of like during us well like when we do the podcast my brain is constantly like okay you're talking too much so like stop talking give stuff a turn now or have you said something stupid or like how do you phrase this and sound like someone who knows something actually because you do but it doesn't translate well in your spoken word like you are so much more talented as a written writer than spoken word and so like it's just these constant like feelings of unworthiness and i'm like it's go away yes be gone yes tell tell schmeagle to fuck off (laughs) yeah fuck off I am not your precious. I can buy my own flowers. I can take myself fucking dancing. You don't need to dance. I am dancing on my own, as he says. Like, go away. You are not welcome here. You shall not pass. Um. (laughs) Oh, no, but I think, I think that this is really good like to give the listeners like in real time like this is as live as we can be right now before you know if we ever decide to go back on live video but (laughs) to be open and honest and authentic that like I know I'm not doing the things that I need to be doing to get myself to the point where I feel so much better but I also I'm working on it like I'm I'm really working on trying to get myself into a routine but it also seems like every time I try to get myself into a routine, somebody else wants to change that routine and not meaning Robert, but like with work or outside things, like something wants to happen that wants to fuck with my routine. But then that's me saying I need to be better about my boundaries and honing, Uh honing in on still making myself a priority, even though things are changing. And like, I was really proud of myself this week with, as I was explaining to you about the, the work change, like I flat out told them like, no, this is not what I want to be doing. Like, no, 
I do not want to do this, but because there is a need to be filled and you are asking for my help, I will help you. But no, this is, this is not what I want to be doing. Like, I, I don't want to be cleaning up somebody else's fucking mess that's had two years to clean up this shit. You know what I mean? Like this. So good for you. I did stick up for myself and I asked for more money. So there's that. <laughs> so good for you. So like I am, I am taking care of myself in other ways. And like, I'm still moving forward with my business and my coach and I have come up with some game plans on, okay, we're going to move the launch of my course more towards like May or June so that I can really focus on building my community while I'm put in this new transition. So it's just, it's instead of getting, being that overwhelmed person that I normally was and just shutting down and being like, okay, well, fuck it. Now I can't do what I want to do. I, it's just reworking everything so that it, mm-hmm. it, it does work more easily, you know? So, and we're going to be moving in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. So we will have a bigger place, a new place, more space, and th- things are still good. Even though things are feel messy right now, they are, they're still good and on a good path. So this actually will tie in perfect to the topic of this podcast. But like what you just said is so important for the fact that I used to feel the same way. And then you add in children, right? And children are consistently like the wrench. They and and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just they are always the wrench in the plans. Always, it can like never fails. But something always happens in like and so developing this like these boundaries mixed with like gentleness, gentleness mixed with like consistency in my own life. That's been the biggest challenge for me personally to balance. I've had to learn like it is okay to tell your children no in that moment. Like, of course, it's okay to tell your children no, but I mean, like, in the sense that if Jason comes to me, my daughter, and she comes to me and she's like, uh, can you do this, this, and this? Can you braid my hair right now? Right? Like, super simple request, something that a mother should, like, fulfill, no questions asked, hands down, you should go do it. Right? I used to feel this guilt if I wouldn't get up. Or, I mean, like, typically, I'd be like, give me a minute, da, 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 and I would stop whatever it was that I was doing immediately and go do that and because my lack of focus and consistency i wouldn't return back to the activity so like this resentment built towards my child for one and then for two this like really like negative like inner voice started to develop within me of like well okay fuck it not gonna go not gonna get to do this today and i've had to learn like it is okay without guilt to look at my child and be like i am journaling right now um give me about 30 minutes let me finish this and then i'll be with you mm-hmm. and that's okay. Or if it's like something that is more pressing and I have to attend to it right then, like I have just made that really painful choice of just like, you are going back to it. Like you are going to go back immediately after this and it is okay. Like you're learning to take breaks and I've been implementing little things here and there, which I'm not going to go into in this episode because we have other things to talk about to like basically reinforce a thought process in my brain that like I will go back to them. Like I'll be, you know, one small example i'll be doing laundry and i'll choose to do another activity while doing laundry which seems like pointless right people are like don't multitask focus on the task at hand but for me personally i really need to work on when they're talking about like honing in on your focusing skills and you know being more i always do other things when i if i'm if i have a bunch of things to do but laundry is one of them i always do laundry like i always throw a load in the wash and then i go do what i need to do and then I stop well, and I switch. That's it. that's different. Oh. I don't mean do laundry and put it in the washer. I mean like folding the act of folding it and oh, putting I don't it do away. That shit. <laughs> so like, 
Oh, now I, Steph, I wash, fold, and put away my laundry all in one day now. Can I? Yeah. Can I have you? You go do mine. <laughs> right? So, like, I have been practicing. And I don't mean all at one time. Like, yeah. I used to do something where I would do an activity, I would hyper fixate on it. And next thing I know, four hours had passed and mm-hmm. I had spent like way too much time on this activity and I didn't get the rest of the important things done that day. And I would like write it off by like, okay, well, you're done with this thing for the next three days. And like that didn't help me build a consistency towards the skill I was trying to learn or the thing I was trying to achieve because four days would pass. And then like I would lose that pattern. I would lose that rhythm and I wouldn't go back to the activity. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I had justified four days ago, like I had done four days worth of research, like that's fine. And then next thing I knew, a month had passed. And now like I'm behind on whatever because I fell into this like lack of pattern, lack of lack of structure, lack of consistency. And so like to practice that for myself, I have been like, uh, I'll be doing laundry and I will be journaling. And I will fold a couple items of clothing. I don't get OCD, but I refuse to let myself get OCD with like, okay, you're going to fold five shirts and then you're going to reward yourself with going back to the journal or you're going to write five sentences and you're going to reward yourself. Like I stop looking at it that way. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you fold a few. And when you are done folding, when you're tired, you're like, "Mm, I'm done. Like that was enough shirts. I go back to journaling when I start having a blank thought and like, it's no longer coming to me and go back to laundry and I'd stay in the same room and like, Every time I would make those switches, it's like, it's okay. I would tell myself, it's okay. You're going to go back to what you were doing. You will finish this. And it seems so stupid and silly, but like, that's how I've rewired the thought process for myself. Truthfully, I don't think it's stupid or silly at all. I think it's actually really, really smart because too often where we put this task at hand, like for example, I need to sit down and create some content for my business for the month of February. And We always say that like that one task, like we cannot do anything until that task is completed. No, no. Mm -hmm. Work on it for 20 minutes because if in with 20 minutes, you can't just like bang out a few things, then you're really not in the mindset to be doing that task at hand. So if you know, you know, shit, I really need to switch the laundry around, go switch the laundry around, throw in another load, maybe go get a glass of water or a cup of coffee, like wash a few dishes, something to kind of, sometimes I've noticed that like I need to do something physical before I can mm-hmm. sit down and do something mental. Because like before, when you texted me, I like, I was sitting here trying to create content, but in reality, I'm going through my Instagram, trying to take old content, put it into a, a, like a bank. And I'm like, bitch, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. This is, this, this isn't the task at hand that, that, that you're supposed to be focusing on. Like we can worry about but this that's later. Okay. But a lot of times, like, I know I do better. Like, if I was to say, like, you know what? I'm going to go work out for 20 minutes. Then I'm going to wash some dishes. And then I'm going to come do this. Because then it's like I've done something physical to gear up my brain, if that makes sense. Like, that works for me. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you need to get done what you were doing? Did you want to do that at some point? Was it a goal? What? Batching your old content. Yes, it is. But it wasn't the goal for today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But that's okay. You were doing what you felt you needed to do. And that might, that has now inspired a action plan Mm -hmm. for you today because you notice and you listen to your fucking body. Yeah. And you were like, well, I'm just like, I'm, I'm on a groove with this. And like, this isn't, you know, I'm looking at my old inspiration and like, I'm kind of just in this like secretarial type mode right now. And that's fine. So now maybe in order to spark that creativity, I need to get up and move my body. Yeah. And now you've made a plan. Because you listen to yourself. So 
everything I, we, I have just talked about for myself personally, like that's great and that's helpful, but that, um, and that shows signs of like improvement and change when things are calm and it's just my own inner voice. That's like being, it's self-sabotaging me, but like, what about external factors? Um, what about when you leave the room? Like that definitely incites panic in me. If I'm doing activities within a certain space and I leave the room, that's when my self-doubt starts to kick in because it's like, whoo, okay, you're really playing around with your, um, what's it called? Out of sight, out of mind for ADHDers. Like you're really playing around with your object permanence here. Um, Like you're really, you're really going to start fighting this one. Okay. All right. It's easier if I'm in the same room. It's easier if it's on the same page. It's easier if it's within the same tabs. But like, if I'm going to walk away from this, I really need to truly believe that I can come back to it. I'm going to remember it. So like that's, and that incites a little bit more like, like, okay. And then that one. And if you add in external factors such as people and children, and I wasn't initially going to tell this story because I'm like, I'm going to have to give a lot of context for the listeners to like really (laughs) humanize my feelings because I'm going to sound a bit like a monster, but that's all right. So for the first however many years of my daughter's life, like she's a very expressive, very emotional child. uh, And I am not a very expressive and emotional person, although what you see on the internet and here uh, might come across differently. I would say emotionally, you're not very expressive, like, but that's something you've been working on. I'm vulnerable. Yes. But you've been working on it. But I'm not expressive in the sense of like, I'm not a loud crier. I'm not like I can be when it's like absolutely like devastating to me. Mm -hmm. But even things that are supposed to be devastating, not everything is devastating to me. Things that how I'm supposed to react or like how people think I should react to certain things. I don't react like, like overly. Um, I'm, I can be very cold. I can be very like stone faced. Um, I just don't do well with like large emotions and I never have. Uh, I don't do well with expressing them. I don't do well with accepting them and like empathizing and comforting them. It's just like literally never been a strength of mine. Something I've always struggled with actually produces like, uh, massive uncomfortability and annoyance. And let me say it's not for every emotion. Like when, when Matt died and I went over to Steph's house, like there wasn't a cell in my body that felt that feeling when you were losing your shit. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, because I felt that you're, and this is me like giving permission and trying to control the situation on who's fucking like how they express their emotions. But like, I felt like, (laughs) um, it is the the injustice wound. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But like, uh, I felt like your response was valid. Like it was okay. Mm -hmm. It was acceptable. It was appropriate. Like, and who am I to give permission to someone? Right. The, the fucking, what is it? Gall. The audacity, audacity, Jamie. The odd, I had the audacity audacity of a, of a middle-class white man. Let me tell you upper-class white man. Excuse me. (laughs) Middle, middle is coming in close second, but for sure the upper class white men middle age i had the audacity of one of those things so yeah it was like i just it's always been very very uncomfortable to me and it's because i know what it stems from and i've always been really uncomfortable with the fact that i've been that way especially since i've had children especially since i had my daughter because my daughter is incredibly expressive she's incredibly emotional over the smallest things and i have always felt that feeling with my kid and that's like not 
something you want to say, express, feel, be as a parent. It really makes you fucking hate yourself because you're like, I shouldn't be this annoyed with my child because she is devastated and she is crying in a way that I find literally like nails on a chalkboard. It's annoying. I would get physically annoyed. I would walk away when she would cry too loud. And I'm like, where does this come from? Like, I know why I know it comes from my mom, but like she never made me uncomfortable as much as she made me annoyed with her large emotions. And I started really thinking on this and it like stemmed from this one thing that's always stuck out in my brain, which goes to show like the littlest individual moments can change a child's perspective on everything. It doesn't have to be consistent. It can be one fuck up. It can be one thing you said, one moment in time, one reaction. Mm-hmm. And when I started digging into this, it was, we were at my grandmother's funeral and my grandmother and my aunt, the the woman, my uncle married Kyle's mom, actually for the listeners, my cousin, Kyle, she is hundred percent full blooded, born and raised Korean woman. And she is very cold, very removed, not very affectionate, you know, and that's a part of their culture. And so very stoic, you know, very strong, kind, strong. And that just never sat well with my Southern drawl, loving, collared green, hugging grandmother. (laughs) And so like they never had the best relationship for many, many, many reasons. And my grandmother's children were raised in such a way that they were like lionesses and lions over their parents. They were like, you shall not say anything bad about anything they do, even if it is wrong. And so that developed this like really uncomfortable family dynamic for a really long time. They were hyper, hyper, hyper protective of their parents. And and I'm sure that my grandfather dying suddenly from a heart attack in the shower at the age of like 54, I think, played a lot into that, like feeling the need to protect their mother who was newly single, you know, no, I don't even think she had a high school education until later in life and just suddenly left with four children. I mean, great pension plan. They had all that back then, but that didn't last her until her death day. It barely lasted her. Um, raising four children alone all of a sudden. Yeah. So like, I get where the protection need comes from. But anyways, that, that, that dynamic that it created between my uncle's wife and the rest of the siblings, because she was very stoic. There was this like intense relationship between her and my grandmother. Um, it created this really uncomfortable family dynamic where like soon, her name is soon where she became the villain. Right. And so Tim was put in this very awkward position of having to like kind of choose his wife that he now had four children with and his mother and how he was raised and his family. So Tim kind of escaped that whole dynamic by moving away to Korea, to fucking Korea, guys. Like if I'm not repeating a family pattern here, I don't know what's going on. Like I moved across the country. He moved to Korea. He's like, this ain't it. I've got to fix this. Um, And he did like, God damn it. He did like he he did it. He did the damn thing. And when my grandmother died, there was a lot of reflection there on his part. And like just hearing and listening to a lot of his words over the years between my grandmother and Pam, like his feelings and experiences with that, I've kind of now realized that I have this bank of information of like I can go back to, to not repeat the things that he did and felt guilty about when they died, like not having enough time, not doing this, not doing that. But that's in a whole other tangent. So Long story short, soon and my grandmother didn't have the best relationship. So when my grandmother died, uh, we were at the funeral. And in Korean culture, and a lot of other cultures actually, and I didn't know this um, until I started like looking into it a few months ago, not heavily, but just it's kind of common sense if you think about it. But a lot of other cultures may be very stoic, but 
it is perfectly acceptable and even like almost encouraged to fully, 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 fully let your grief out mm. in moments of like sheer and utter grief, screaming out, fall on the floor, just lose your shit in public with everyone else, grieve publicly. I didn't know that. I was raised in a very like everyone's emotional all of the time, but like kind of emotional. We're not going to let it all out American society. And so at my grandmother's funeral, soon went full Korean, full force, falling on the floor, screaming, wailing, wailing over the pastor speaking. And my American mother was like so deeply offended because soon and my grandmother didn't even have the best relationship. And that is what soon was grieving. Soon wanted that. She didn't come from a family. She felt like she and like just mm. looking back in retrospect, like her grief was so valid. Oh. And like, it almost makes me want to cry thinking about it because now she's changed so much soon was she had her own issues. We'll just put it that way. But like looking back on it, it's like, wow, you know, like to be devastated over not having that relationship with your mother-in-law, because that's all you ever really wanted. Cause you didn't have the love and support of your own family growing up. And mm-hmm. then like losing what you felt might be like the only opportunity you had in this lifetime. Yeah. It was like when you're standing in a room of siblings that don't like you. Mm. Yeah, I can just see that. Oh, anyway, so my mother didn't react well. And she's like, how dare she steal the show and like act like that, act the way she did. And this is not verbatim. um, If she's listening, if anyone's listening, like not verbatim, it was just very much like, how dare she? She doesn't have the right to grieve like this. She doesn't. How dare she? Like, she looked fucking crazy. Da, 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 da. And so, like, that was my very first impression about that kind of response to grief. I had never seen that response to grief before in my lifetime. I definitely my mother haven't would either. Have, have moments, but, like, that. Yeah, but we here's the kicker. You and I have experienced it now. Well, but so, like, to see somebody grieve like that, like, I, I think that's always something, like, you've heard, I, I would say you've heard of, like, mothers grieving like that, where they've fallen on their child's grave and they're they're just so inconsolable but like i i've never i don't think i've ever witnessed somebody drop to their knees and and scream like that you didn't sc- even when you came and crawled into bed with me the night that you heard that that it was confirmed emily was murdered you didn't come in my room and scream at 5:30 in the morning you were holding noah you came in you woke me up you were sobbing but you weren't like flailing on the ground screaming noah was awake right uh i don't know he probably woke he was still sleeping with you at that point so he probably woke up because of you waking up why do you think he woke up well you we didn't scream in front of me and that's what i'm saying i didn't see yeah you i know i know that way, i know but... you didn't see me but like the point is is now you and i have experienced that kind of yeah. grief, the kind of grief that's like so heavy that you cannot control your physical response to it. And nobody has to see it for it to be valid. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying like that, but like, I'm saying I know my experience. Yeah. So that I know you have experienced that. Like, mm-hmm. I've watched you cry. I've felt your grief. So like, I know how big it is. But I also know that like, in our culture and the way we're raised, like those responses can be embarrassing. And so like, we don't do it in front of other people. Yeah. Um. But like, uh, screaming full force into a bed in your car, hitting things like, these yeah. are all things you and I have now done. Uh-huh. Um, I woke up a whole neighborhood on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I've just always had this uncomfortability. And when I was feeling it, I was making myself uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like, and so there's therein lies, like, where my real shame and guilt started. I've always carried it. I've always had it in regards to Jason and my daughter. And 
so like I had this just like grief and or this shame surrounding that and instead of working on it, I kind of let it turn into the self-hate thing which just like really came out as anger towards myself and everyone over the last year like uh this major like why can't you just fucking empathize with your own goddamn like what is wrong with you why are you broken um and I was trying to like hate myself out of this behavior (laughs) shame myself out of this behavior how well did that work it didn't it made it worse Mm -hmm. and so like yeah so there's all of the context to say that like how i know what i'm doing is working with all my adhd coping and stuff that's been like a little uh reinforcing but this is what like drove it home for me the other night to the point where i went to the bathroom and i cried like oh i'm gonna get emotional now so jacelyn okay so the other night, Jacelyn hurt herself. She took a knee to the eyeball. She was jumping on the trampoline. She was doing everything I was telling her not to do, as kids do. And she took a knee straight to the eye socket. And she started to do the that cry that she does. That it's a wail. It's yeah. like it goes straight fucking through you. It's the yeah, exactly. It's the end of the world. And like everything in my body, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. My chest got tight. That feeling started to build. And I wanted to run. I wanted to let her father handle it, as always. And I started to walk, and I took three steps from the kitchen door to the stairs, and I said no. (laughs) I was like, you're going to turn around, and you're going to go hug your kid, and you're going to pick her up, and you're going to fucking love her, and you're going to help her. And so I did. And she just, like, put her hands around my neck, and she squeezed so tight. Like, that's all she ever wanted. And I sat there and just hugged her. And I let her calm down. And I uh, was thinking in my head, I'm like, how can I help her calm down without using words? Because words always overwhelm her. And she doesn't want to hear it. And she's in a really negative headspace when she's, like, really over-emotional and hurt. And it doesn't get through to her. And that's my fault. So how can I fix this without making it obvious or making her uncomfortable? So I started running through all the things I had been doing for myself. And I was like, well, I'm not going to start tapping on her fucking forehead because that's pretty obvious. <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to try the tapping method on her because she'll probably kick me. She'd probably also be like, mom, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yes, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> so I was going to encourage her to breathe. I tried that. Didn't respond well. She's like, no, fuck off, basically. So I just kept holding her and I was like, okay, somatic healing. Somatic healing for anxiety. Like you know the points, you know what to do, do it slowly. So she won't even notice. So I started doing it on her uh, without saying anything, without telling her what I was doing. And her body and what just, is somatic healing? Somatic, um, it's basically like what I've been doing this whole time <laughs> is you just kind of put pressure on. They can't see you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Only I can see you. <laughs> That's why I asked. I try to. I try to ask questions when I may know what you're doing or talking about, but others might. So it's like bringing, it's not even a mindset. People talk about mindset, telling yourself you're safe. It's not going to work as well because you don't feel safe. You don't feel okay. And you're teaching your body that the feeling you're feeling is called safety. (laughs) Right? Like you can't just sit there and be like, I am safe. It is fine. Like you need to regulate your body a little bit first. And you need to start mm-hmm. feeling the feeling of safety to be like, to then launch into like, okay, look around, you are safe, you're fine. When you're in the middle of that moment, you physically need to do things to calm your body down that like require movement 
are pressure points. Like you need to send signals to your brain. So that you can then feel safe to remind yourself that you are safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, somatic healing is like little things. Like you can touch your face and your heart. You can just like, you need to connect your brain body some way. And there's a bunch of little different techniques on the internet. So I did the one that was most accessible in that moment that was like the least noticeable, which is just squeezing her arms, not super tight, squeezing and then releasing, squeezing and you just move up and down the arm and you just squeeze and release. And then you breathe, you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And I've noticed with my children, like, so we have things called mirror neurons in our brain and like they replicate the emotion around you to survive. It's a survival mechanism in our brain, essentially. Like it creates connection and empathy and community and blah, 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 all these things. And so like our bodies will subconsciously mimic another's over after enough time, especially if there is like a deep connection there. So I birthed them. So obviously there's a deep connection there. So I'm squeezing her and I'm just breathing. I'm just like breathing how I would breathe if I was her. And then it took about a minute and I was squeezing, breathing, squeezing, breathing. Not very obvious. I would say things in between. I would pause. I was trying not to freak her out or make it obvious. And then all of a sudden, after about a minute, minute and a half, her breathing started to line up with my breathing. And I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking working. It's working. It's working, guys. Yes. It's happening. <laughs> and so then I just kept squeezing. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden, she smiled with an ice pack through her eye. And I'm like, oh my God. Aww. Oh my God. I, I fucking did it. And so... Aww. That's how I know. That's a very long story where I start sobbing. That's how I know I did it. But that's huge. I I hope you are so proud of yourself. I am. Yay, Jamie. <laughs> and I mean, that's huge for Jacelyn too, because I, I mean, I've witnessed. I, I mean, for those of you that don't know, I was Jacelyn's preschool teacher. That's how Jamie and I even became friends. And like, Jacelyn is only a crier when she was little, when she absolutely got hurt. Like, I watched that kid face plant on the fucking hardwood gym floor and she just bounced and got back up and just fucking started running and then one day she did it and she fucking started crying and i was like oh she's she's actually hurt and the teacher was like how do you know i was like because she's crying like she's actually crying right now but jamie i've witnessed with jacelyn of i mean the poor child has been through so much with us you know we forget that as much as our lives got ripped apart so did hers mm -hmm. and she was old enough to witness so much of it so we have seen the emotions. And unfortunately, for two years, you and I were such skeletons of human beings that it was so hard for us to regulate our own emotions that we couldn't help her regulate her emotions. Noah was easier because he was little and we could still just kind of scoop him up in a blanket and, and, and get him to cuddle with us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he was fine. In a lot of ways, he was like our personal weighted blanket mm -hmm. because... We, we used him. We would force him to snuggle. With oh, and us. it's kind of funny. Like, and I, I, I know children can feel and, and mirror anxiety like infants, but at the same time, like mm -hmm. we really taught him physical human touch and connection. And like, as much as we might have done some damage with him feeling all of those heavy emotions as a small child, he also was like being regulated by human touch and soothing at the same time. So like Noah is a little bit more malleable. He's a little bit more easy to work with. I've noticed as a child, because while there is some damage done there, like he was given and taught and shown some coping tools from the moment he was born. Mm -hmm. Like he will immediately come for a hug. Jason will run. It's, it's just yes. very, it's very, very, very different experiences based off of how I have parented them unconsciously. <laughs> 
or subconsciously, Christ, here we go again. Jace is loving when she, and I don't want to say when she wants to be, but like, I always get a hug. You know what I mean? Like, but Jacelyn is a lot like you were that you don't want to be hugged by just anybody. Like Jacelyn will definitely stiff board you and be like, nope, I don't want you to, to hug me. Or like if certain people are trying to be affectionate towards her, I remember a few times when certain people were around, she would look over their shoulder and mouth to me like, help. <laughs> She'd be like, it's Debbie, help. <laughs> help me. It's like, use your words. And I'd be like, Jace, baby, can you come, can you come help me in the kitchen? Or... I don't want to hug. You know, but she'll curl up in bed with me or, you know what I mean? Like, she's affectionate. She's super affectionate when she's not under distress. Jacelyn's a cat mm-hmm. by every stretch of the form. She wants attention when she wants mm-hmm. it, but she doesn't want to fucking give it to you when she doesn't want it. That, that, and like, she's not touching you when under distress um, for many reasons. Yes, exactly. She's her claws are definitely out. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's just it was just it's it's just been such such a huge. That's a huge break for you though for you guys. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. You know, no, I, it's going to be perfect and it's going to be consistent and it will be fine because I can do it. I'm not going to speak any negativity onto that. Manifesting that shit, homie. Yep. So there's, that's what we do now. <laughs> like I don't know. How to, I'm so wired to say like negative things like in the sense it's like i'm sure it won't be perfect but no we're not gonna say that so like i physically don't know what to say right now like it's gonna go great that's who we are now it's progress not perfection yeah progress not perfection that's what i i remind myself like and i don't know if i've mentioned this before on the podcast but um, when i was talking to my coach the other night she really gave us a huge compliment on the on our podcast because she's like i love how raw and authentic you and Jamie have been since day fucking one. She's like, you guys have, have really put yourselves in a position to always be able to be yourselves when it comes to your podcast. She's like, I've been a coach for over seven years. She's like, and do you know how hard it is to now look at myself and try and be myself like genuinely authentically? Like I was like, well, And our benefit, we started all of this in the age of Instagram getting away from being perfect. I was like, you started a a coaching business when people really started to use the online space for business. You had to fit into this aesthetic and nobody really wants to know who you are. They just want to know what you can do for them and how you made this happen in your life or how you afforded this or how you did this. I was like, So that's one thing Jamie and I were lucky on. I was like, but I think with everything that happened with us, we were so tired of always trying to fit into boxes that other people had set out for us that we were like, no, no. And even in the beginning, definitely in the very beginning, we had some issues because we're like, no, no, we have to do it this way. And no, no, we have to do it this way. And but wait, we have to do this. And then I I remember sitting down having the conversation with you and I was like, Jamie, this is our podcast. We can do whatever the fuck we want. It doesn't matter. If people don't listen to us, they don't fucking listen to us. If we want to sit there and say, fuck, 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 we can do that. It's our podcast. It's our podcast. And once we started really honing in the fact that it was ours, it was us. It is just me and you having conversations. It's me and you 
like we're sitting down having a glass of wine together in the kitchen or four glasses, whatever it would be. It, it's, it's us. And she's like, I fucking love that you guys never have to compromise who you are in your podcast. And you're working so hard to bring that into the rest of your life. And so now for the last year, at least the last six months, I've really been working on creating that same environment in my own business that I've been working on. Because when I originally started building my business, I was stuck in that, oh, I have to be a coach like this and I have to do this and I have to do that. And I'm like, no, fuck that shit. I don't want to do anything that all those other people are doing. I don't care if you make 18 fucking figures a year. I don't like, I don't, that's not. No, because you know that what you have slash what we have is special. And once we really step into that, the money will come because we are deserving of it because we're really fucking good at what we do. To me, we never even did this to eventually make money. No, that's we never did this for this. That no, we we did this because we first of all we needed a space for ourselves to heal. Ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to. You and I use this as an accountability tool to get through our grief process because we had no fucking else, no idea how else we were going to get through this. And little did we know that two years later. We would fucking love doing this so much Mm -hmm. that we are just so excited to continue on this journey and build upon it. And my coach just couldn't stop raving about about us because she's like, you guys are not only putting in the work, but you're showing everybody that like, hey, I tried this. It didn't work for me. It might work for you. You know, you're really just showing the the pathway of how you're getting places because I explained to her how, you know, we've talked about. Everybody that's out there always told you, I made it. Well, how did you get there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or they make everything sound like it's so condensed and it's, and what, it's not. What were your each individual steps? Like, what did you try? What did you fail at? Like, and people will say, I fell on my face and here's this one story. And like, that is valuable and, and, and essential. And like, I'm not knocking any of that by any means. But like, there's just something so powerful about telling every story walking yeah. through it well and not just saying like oh 15 years ago i was a hot mess but now i make three million dollars a year that's that's great. You know what's great that's gonna be us in a few years or that's that's gonna be us and then hopefully our story and what we've done will inspire people like us to do what we did and start out like us and share yeah. their journey because one day we will be the very thing uh, and it won't be our faults like we will have just done it we will have made it and then we will yeah, be the very people we, we started this podcast not to be, you know, and hopefully we then inspire. And I'm not saying that we're going to be without struggle, like there will be different struggle, but we will definitely be 10, 15, 20 years down the line for a different niche for a different group of people, you know, and that's yeah. fine. But hopefully our what we have done here will inspire others to do what we're doing mm-hmm. and take over, fill our shoes. Absolutely. And I think what's just so funny about her going on and on about us is that there's so many facets of this podcast where we haven't been able to be a hundred percent vulnerable yet Mm -hmm. um we haven't been able to share the full stories yet 
for like so many different reasons of like uh, not wanting to hurt family members' feelings, wanting to be able to find the right words, really recognizing that we need to process this this story, the situation, the scenario before we share it with the entire world because how we share mm-hmm. it will be like detrimental to someone and we can't share it from the space where we're still hurt and angry and like seething over it. Um, we can reflect upon those when we do share it. We can say, this is how I was feeling. Yeah. But like coming full circle, this is how I feel now that I've really done the work and put the effort to work through this. Like, um, and so I just think it makes me excited to hear people say that because she's not the only one who's ever said it. And I just kind of smile because I'm like, Steph and I haven't even fully cracked open yet. Well, that, but I think one of her biggest compliments was she was like, during the hardest seasons of your life, you guys didn't even know how, basically it boils down to, she was like, you're creating consistency in your life with the podcast. You've realized that you can stay consistent. And this kind of goes back to our last episode of um, when we talked about goals in the New Year's paradox, where like, I told her, I was like, out of two years during the hardest seasons of our life, I think there's been two times that we missed absolutely posting a podcast like for that week. I was like, and I used to stress out about it. And then I got to the point where I was like, as long as it's posted in that week, I don't care. I don't care if it comes out on Tuesday or if it comes out on Thursday, like as long as it gets out and everybody can listen to it, it's good. Cause you know what shit happens. Life happens. There's times where you're sick. I'm sick. We're exhausted. We're human. And she's like, that is what I love the most about the energy you guys bring to your podcast is that you're not trying to be anybody else other than Steph and Jamie. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent. She's like, and you just want to help people. That's it. She's like, you you guys aren't looking for anything and help yourselves in the process. Mm-hmm. Like we're helping ourselves ultimately and hoping that we are helping other people. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, you know, and I think, yeah, all of this is a so really good lead into what the topic of this podcast is about. That will definitely be a two-parter now. We're probably wrapping up part <laughs> one about right around now. So we really thoroughly hope you enjoy part two coming in five, four, three, two, one. We are so grateful to those of you who have allowed us to take up space in your lives and supporting us while we share some of our most vulnerable moments. As James said, your support means the world to us. So we would absolutely love to know your thoughts on the show. So please leave us a review on any of our platforms. And also make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The links are posted in our show notes. This concludes your tour of Stay Wild Trauma Child. Please remain seated until... Oh, God, James. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. We love you. And as always... Stay wild.